Hello and welcome to MikeyPod Podcast, episode 338 for December 20th, 2021. Today's guest is writer and filmmaker Shayna Feinberg. We'll be talking about her web series, Dinette, which recently released its second season through Brick Arts and Culture TV, as well as her books, her writing for New York Times and Washington Post, and... Lots more micro budget filmmaking. It was a great conversation. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with your with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for way over 16 years at this point. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the butter buttons butters buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com. Uh, more about that in a second. Or you can just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory, which is my preferred choice right now, as you'll learn in a moment. If you'd like to know more about me, you can stop by my website at michaelheron.com. That website is fine right now. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron, or you can email me at mikeypod at gmail.com. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Um, eh, Yeah. I'm having some website issues, as I hinted at, uh, not too uh, discreetly in the beginning here. Um, yeah, so MikeyPod.com is a mess. <laughs> it's I'm getting it back in order, um, but I just put it up in a really simple state, so it doesn't look great right now. It looks very generic. Um, uh, how much do I want to get into? I... I was having some problems with the with both my websites, michaelheron.com and mikeypod.com, um, that I couldn't figure out. Usually I could kind of figure this stuff out on my own. Eileen Klang at biztechmedia.com? Yep, biztechninja.com is helping me out with the website, and we're about to do a lot of work on both sites, pulling them together. It's going to be a lot. Um, the problem was the whole theme I used needed to be updated and the old version, the new version works entirely differently and their customer service is atrocious. And, um, the more I worked on trying to get it back in order after Eileen helped put, get it updated and figure out what the problems were, um, the worse it got. So now I've just got generic thing and I'm going to have revamp everything. So that's coming, but I can post podcasts now. Um, all of them are gone from the website. So I'm having to individually uh, post each one one by one. Anyway, that's already a long, boring story. Um, but it's kind of nice to, um, you know, whatever, get this done. So everything's coming together. If you do go to MikeyPod.com, just know that I know it looks sort of not great. Um, but you, the podcast is in all the places you've always been able to find it. So I hope you do that. The other thing is that's happening is that I'm going to be mailing out a new zine to patrons. Um, it's called Teeth. It's about mental health. Uh, ADD, learning how to go to the dentist regularly and even brush my teeth regularly in spite of um, mental uh, challenges, emotional challenges, and um, all of that kind of stuff. It's kind of the history of all of that. And so it sounds like fun. Doesn't that sound like a great fun thing? So um, if you're a patron, uh, you probably already know. But if you don't, uh, this zine will be coming to you in the mail if you're a, a $5 or more patron. And all patrons get a digital copy. Oh, and if you're not already a patron, you could sign up, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Um, it seems so funny putting things out when I'm not happy with how my web presence looks, which is really interesting. Uh, it's really, uh, maybe I'll get inside of that as well. Anyway, enough about all of that stuff. Um, I do want, I mentioned 
patrons, but I do need to officially thank my patrons uh, for powering this podcast and everything I do, honestly. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month. They get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines, bonus podcasts. There are almost 80 of them now, if I'm not mistaken. And um, you'll get immediate access to all of that when you subscribe. You'll get a copy of the new zine. You'll be able to download copies of the previous six zines um, and all the music that went with them. And also, there'll be a new uh, bonus podcast on Wednesday with uh, today's guest, Shayna Feinberg. So you're going to want to do that. Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. That's it. That's it for my intro. Um, I have some music from my friend Will Shish, who was a uh, guest years ago when I did um, a couple of years in a row, I did live versions of this podcast with musical guests. Uh, Will Shish was one of those guests and uh, he was a crowd favorite, I have to say. Um, And he's just got a new single out. So he did give me permission to play this song. So let's give it a listen. Uh, This track is called Limits the Sky by Will Shish. And after that, we'll talk with uh, Shana Feinberg. Crossroads while your choices slip away. But who's gonna sympathize with someone who lacks the drive to make a decision and avoid a collision? We're running out of time, but soon they will see everything that's been locked inside. Fresh out of reasons to hide But when the sun finally sets Is there any point to be the last one left? The limits the sky Keep on looking up Just gotta Things get rough You can't still fly When it all becomes too much We can only hold our own and Try to avoid it And you're sure to turn to stone Stuck somewhere in your mind Afraid to get left behind Locked in a prison you can't envision A life that you define And soon they will see Everything that's been locked inside We're all just along for the ride And when the sun finally sets Is there any point clinging to regrets? The limits the sky If you keep on looking up Just gotta try To give yourself enough Don't get stuck in the place where things get rough 
Joining me now on the podcast is Shana Feinberg, who is the creator of the series Dinette, which is on Brick. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell I'm ready to like, let's talk about it. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you. I have to admit, I just have started watching the series. So um, I'm only a couple of episodes in, but I'm like, I, I wish I'd gotten hooked last week so I could have a little bit more understanding of the whole timeline of the series. But can you give a like a rundown of what what the series is about? Sure. Um, so are you watching season one or season two? I, w- I started with season one because I just always oh. like to watch the whole thing. <laughs> um, you don't have to start with season one, just so you know. Oh, just good. So, so the viewer knows. Basically, it's inspired by the movie Diner by Barry Levinson, which is about a group of dudes hanging out. And Dinette is about a group of women and gender nonconforming friends hanging out. Season one kind of takes place around a wedding and season two takes place around a funeral. So yeah, that's the gist. And it's it's a queer ensemble comedy. I really love that, the way that Dinette inspired you to make this series. You know, like, because you, you, you say in some of the quotes that I said, well, uh, why don't I let you talk about that? Like how, you know, it was- Oh, male- Dinette inspired it? Growing up, I watched all these movies with the starred dudes. Um, And I always identified with the men. Um, Like I never was like, oh, that woman feels like a, an actual representation of how I feel or how any woman I know feels. Um, So when I started making comedy, I actually started like right after college. um, I started making a public access TV show with my friend, Julie showers, and it was called the spew. And it was, it was stoner comedy. And we basically like, played dudes all the time and it was very freeing like we always had like mustaches or beards or we were playing male characters and it felt very freeing and I realized that like as I made stuff I I was always kind of gender swapping and so when I got the opportunity to work with Brick I pitched them the idea of doing diner but with women and gender non-conforming characters and in both seasons there's four male characters and only one of them each season gets to talk so that's on purpose. It's very like clowny and absurd, but um, the guys really don't have a voice in either season. I mean, in the second season, there is a Syrian refugee who gets this talk. And in the first season, there's a guy who is is a liar, basically, and he gets to talk. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so it was, it was done on purpose, like to give other people the floor. So yeah, so that's kind of how it started. But I was very inspired in my, like, growing up, I watched all these, like, you know, Mel Brooks and Pink Panther, like Peter Sellers, like all these male comedies. And I really wanted to make stuff where I got to me and like people like me could be the lead, but not have to just be like, what was available for women to be. There's something that is interesting to me about this. And this is one of those questions that it may not be as interesting as I think. I'm just making up a connection here. <laughs> but, but like the you and your friend doing the, the um, series when you dressed like in drag and played these male roles, was that 
Was that somewhere in between realizing like, no, I can make a show that has women and non-conforming people in these main roles. Was that somewhere on the, along the timeline of sort of getting to that spot with your own work? Yeah, I think for sure. Like, I think for us, we had to dress like men to feel free to be ourselves. And then as I got older and the more stuff I made, the more I realized like, oh, we don't have to actually like present as male to just be ourselves. You know, we can, we can just be more three-dimensional and be more ourselves and look however we look. So that's, you know, some people present as more masculine, some don't, but either way, they're more, my characters are more three-dimensional than a lot of the characters that we see in, in these sort of male centric films and TV shows. Um, And we get to like be funny and cool and annoying and, you know, just like real people. Uh, But yeah, for sure on my trajectory, I, I I thought that I had to like wear a fake beard in order to be three dimensional. And then as I got older and made more stuff, I realized that I didn't actually need the beard. And that actually creating three dimensional characters who don't fit into like gender roles at all is a freeing experience. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. That's what I, that's one of the things that I've been delighting in a lot just as our society, at least in New York City <laughs> and other places, are becoming more open to like r- releasing gender roles, you know, because it 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 frees it frees all of us. Like it frees everyone to be able to relax and just be the person they are instead of try to fit into something that they're expected to do. Yeah, for sure. Was was it difficult to cast from that? standpoint because i just feel like oh it looks like you already have an answer to that yeah i mean it wasn't difficult to cast i i often write for people that's usually what i'm doing is writing for a person um so no it wasn't difficult for me a lot of the people are my friends um i also i sort of make all the same stuff with the same ensemble i've made three kind of very strange feature films and all three films have most of or iterations of the same cast. So I'm often writing for a person. So it's not that it's not hard for me to cast, but uh, I can, I maybe in the world, it's hard for people to, ca- I don't know. I mean, I think there's tons of talented people out there. So every once in a while I'm writing a character and then figuring out who it's for. But most of the time I'm like, Oh, I want to work with that actor again or that comedian. And so I'm writing for them specifically. Ah, uh, I love it. There's, as a creator myself, who also like I produce a lot of my own work and, and that kind of thing, I'm curious about. I don't remember where I saw this, but you um, you say that you do micro budget filmmaking, and I'm mm-hmm. really curious. Yeah. That that makes me curious about well that that phrase, I guess. First, like what what does that mean for you? Micro budget filmmaking is um, it's like I make I make things for like very little or no money, and um, I been lucky to also get budgets from people um, to make things for them. Like I've done two really big projects for Audible and I've done a project for IFC and some stuff for Refinery29. Um, But I uh, often am making my own stuff and I'm making it like stone stone soup style. Like, you know, I'm like, I have these two potatoes. What do you have? And you have some carrots and then someone else has onions and then we like put it all together. And eventually it's a soup. 
So that's kind of my style of filmmaking. I, I am currently, I've been a visiting professor at Vermont College of Art in the MFA film program. And my boss there, Nina Davenport, she's the one who was like, you have to really play up that you're a micro budget filmmaker. Cause I guess I wasn't talking, I wasn't stressing that that much. And she was like, that's what you do. That's, you know, and um, so that means I basically know how to do every aspect. Like I've done sound on set. I've had to use the camera, it's, you know, film, or I do the writing, directing, producing, like I know how to do all the aspects of it. Um, and I'm lucky that I sometimes get to crew up and have people help me, but sometimes it's like just me and, you know, I, my partner, my husband, um, sometimes it's just the two of us out there doing it. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of micro budget filmmaking. Yeah. I, I love that, that the motivation to talk about that more because looking at your work, it doesn't look, you know, it doesn't look like you're using micro budget. It's, it's very polished and well-produced, you know? And so I, for other artists, I think it's so important for people to see like, nope, like I just made this happen and I didn't have to have a huge budget and you don't have to let that stand in the way of creating something that you want to create. Yeah, totally. People, um, before the pandemic, especially a lot of people reached out to me and were like, how do I make something? And I was like, well, you have a phone, like make something, you know, like for our first feature, the baby mooners, it looks really good. I mean, we've made it for $15,000. Um, but it looks really nice. And there were scenes, my husband and I did all the sound ourselves basically. Um, so if he was on camera, I was doing the sound. And if I was on camera, he was doing the sound. And occasionally we're both on camera. So we shot far enough away that then we didn't, we could do the sound after. And some of it is just recorded on, on our iPhone. It's like, you know, the, the sound recording app, we just like, I would go in a closet and record. Um, so there's, there's fix there's like ways around everything. And I'm basically insane. Like I love to make stuff. I'm not precious about what I make. So um, I just want to make things and express myself and it's how I process my feelings. And so, you know, I, I don't want to always wait for someone to greenlight me. And that means having to figure out how to do it creatively a lot of the times. Mm. And having that, um, this is something I struggle with sometimes. Well, a lot of the time lately um, is that, momentum like finding the momentum to do those things is that ever an issue for you or do you feel that momentum to create all the time i mean i i am nuts like i definitely just have the moment i'm like a dog on a bone i never am like where how can i i wish i could relax more hmm. I, I really can't i i just love making things i love the process i've always been i guess there's like i think it. Jack Russell Terrier is a dog that needs a job. I, I think that's the kind of person that I am. Like, mm -hmm. um, I just like, I just am constant. I just had a baby. He's four weeks old. I don't know if you can hear him screaming, but, um, <laughs> I actually don't. He, but it's like, even though I just had a kid, like I'm constantly, like I'm finishing, I just finished a short film of short doc and I'm finishing another one today. And like, I just am always moving and, and making things it's just um just what i like to do so i don't have that problem i think maybe 
I'm a perfectionist about certain things in my life, but not about my work. Like I think that flawed work is kind of cool and it's more human. And, um, you know, I think it makes you the work sometimes more creative. And I think you can stumble on really cool things if you are willing to just not have something be perfect. Um, and I think maybe a lot of times other people are like hoping to make something like really, really glitzy or really perfect or like every aspect needs to be like a hundred percent. So my suggestion, suggestion to anyone who's like, how do I make stuff would just be to like, uh, just make something, just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I think that perfectionism stops people in their tracks. I mean, that's basically what you were just saying too. Like that idea of like, well, I can't make a high budget film and that's what I want to do. So forget it. And, yeah. and, and that's not the point of making things. No. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you want something that's high budgeting and like find a way to do it differently. And I think it'll be probably, I mean, I like to stuff to be funny. So if you're like doing a car, you want to do a car chase, like, I don't know, find some other way to do it, you know, use like fake cars or have people just running around. I don't know. Like, I guess I just feel like there's a lot of wiggle room if you're willing to be creative. The flip side of that is thinking about projects that you've had that do have a budget. Like you're, you're given a budget to do something like that. Does it, does that have any effect on your creativity? No, because even with big budgets, you're, still solving pro creative problems. Like, you know, I think that that's, that's something that, you know, even, even when you have a lot of money and a lot of producers and oper lots of opportunities and I don't know, just all, if, even when you have everything at your fingertips, there's still going to be something that you have to figure out and resolve. And like, you know, there's always going to be some kind of issue. It sounds like that challenge is something that really, you enjoy it keep keeps you moving as well yeah for sure i love i mean i love problem solving i mean it's nice when things don't go wrong but sometimes it's like we for season two they're in the third episode it was supposed to all take place outside of this funeral home and it was just too cold and the sun was like hitting weird and creating like a weird um shadow but we had already started filming outside so we had to find a way to like bring the characters inside and then the whole episode had to take place in this one spot and in the end like that was my favorite one to film and I feel really proud of it it's like all these female characters and gender non-conforming characters all like kind of peacocking and hanging out and like rapping and beatboxing and breakdancing and like making jokes and you know, it's really fun to see them in this like semicircle in this one room. Um, and so that was something that we had to like solve for and it wound up being better. So yeah, I think it's fun. It's just kind of fun to like rise to the, to the challenge. As you're talking about, it, I'm like, Oh, I would love to be on this set. Like, is it, it sounds oh, like so your experience fun. and your process is very much about like play and exploration. Oh, yeah. I mean, I if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's moments that are stressful, like maybe two people like butt heads or all of a sudden it's freezing or whatever. You get kicked out of a place, you know. Um, but for the most part, like, honestly, if you're not having fun doing whatever you're doing, 
we probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> I, I noticed that this film, and of course, correct me if I'm understanding this incorrectly, the second season was filmed in February of 2020. Is that right? Right so was before that filmed the end of January. Yeah, end of it was January. right before. Yeah, it was. It was like right before everything shut down. And um, I actually just sent out an email to the cast and crew today saying like, it's coming out. I can't believe that we were like ever in a tiny diner together, mm. uh, meeting on each other. Cause now that just wouldn't happen in the same way. I'm trying to get my head around what challenges that brought up, you know, because the filming seems from my non-filmmaker perspective, seems like that would be the most challenging part during the pandemic. What, what else sort of came up? Cause I know that it, your process of getting this series out was slowed down. Um, how yeah, much was I mean, pandemic? We, we had to, like, we kind of, it's like coming out a year later because of the pandemic. Um, but it's fine. Everything happens the way it happens. Um, but yeah, we, the filming, I mean, the filming was before the pandemic, but, you know, there was challenges because we filmed in the winter, both seasons. And so it can get really cold and we film on the streets a lot because it's cheap. Um, <laughs> you, know, you just need a permit. Those were challenges. There's also a ton, it's a big ensemble cast. So there's like a ton of challenges in terms of scheduling and mm-hmm. getting everyone on the same day to be available. And, but you know, it all works out in the end or doesn't and you figure out, you fix it in post. You're writing. You write a column for the New York Times, and I just saw yeah. you had something on Washington Post. Um, yeah. Can we talk? Just what's what's up with that? Like, <laughs> tell me about sure, that work. Yeah. So, um, my friend Julia Rothman and I, um, we have a column in the New York Times. It's called Scratch. It appears every other week in the business section of the Times, um, and we've been doing it. Uh, in like two weeks, it'll be two years that we've been doing it. Um, we also did a book together that came out in January called Everybody, and it's about bodies and sex. And we are now working on our second book. Um, and I've done some pieces for the Washington Post and for the New Yorker. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I was a writer first before I was a direct, a filmmaker and a director. Um, I've been writing my whole life, like whether it's journaling or writing, I originally was writing short stories and then I wrote some pieces for some newspapers and magazines when I graduated from college. And then that, then I started making films and writing scripts. And then I went back to writing once I met Julia, she and I did some pieces together. So we collaborate a lot where I write Mm -hmm. illustrates and I wrote in Washington Post that came out in July, I think at the end of July, I wrote about having um, another kid during the pandemic and that there's like, there's what is considered a baby deficit right now. Like we have supposedly 300,000 fewer babies in the U S. Um, so, and I kind of write my own personal story about why I think that might be, um, which is, you know, like there's not a ton of support for working parents. Yeah. It was a great piece. That was the one that I, that I read. Oh, Um, thanks. And it's good for me. Like I'm, um, I have a, I always want to say an actual case of ADHD. (laughs) So it's really tough sometimes for me to like stick with something. So the drawings and the whole way that's put together is really great. Oh, Uh, cool. Thanks. In general. And especially for me. Yeah. And that piece actually had, um, 
within minutes, I had like 900 comments because it's a very, uh, you know, it's a hot button topic. Like a lot of people think you shouldn't have kids and mm-hmm. other people think you should have kids. Anyways, it's a lot of people were like, how dare you bring a child into this world? And like, yeah, you know, I'm super happy. I have my two kids, but I also, when there's like, you know, a lot of white supremacists and there's climate change and, um, a worldwide pandemic like you're kind of like boy this is a rough rough time to be having kids but maybe it was always rough it might have always been rough yeah it's fun like to be perfectly honest i would have that knee-jerk knee-jerk reaction of like what having kids why would you encourage that but your column actually made me like wait a minute and also like a buddhist tiktok i saw earlier today also (laughs) helped (laughs) but it helped me have this moment of like i don't know like you know I got a lot out of living through a lot of shitty stuff um, that I'm weirdly grateful for. And that, I, if that makes sense, but it makes me wonder like, who am I to say someone shouldn't be born and also go through a bunch of shitty stuff that they'll learn from? Yeah. That's kind of what my next book is um, about with my friend, Julia. We're, we did a column last March um, right when like the pandemic had shut everything down in New York where we interviewed all these people about like circumstances that they had survived and their advice. And so that's what this next book is about. So we're interviewing all these people about like things that they lived through and survived and like what advice they have about, you know, that situation. So it's kind of like what you're saying, like you lived through through some things and like are better for it. And you know, so hopefully my kids won't be too mad at me that I had them. <laughs> this is the world was catching on fire. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I, I don't want to speak for your kids, but I have a feeling they're going to be okay with having been born. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> People usually are okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's one last thing I want to ask you about, because you yeah. talked about um, going from uh, being a writer to being a filmmaker. I'm curious about, did, did you trained to become a filmmaker? Is it just something you started doing? It's just something I started doing. I like, um, had been writing and then I, and I, I did, um, public access TV show in my twenties. And then I did a bunch of radio and I did some stand up and I performed live. And then I was like, I don't really love performing live, but I like making things. So I went back to filming things and, um, I haven't been trained in anything and maybe sometimes that shows, um, but it's also, I think, a fun way to do stuff is just, you know, piece it together, figure it out. Yeah. And there's something to be said, too. Like, uh, there's a lot to be said for that example, right? Uh, as we were talking about before, of just just make the thing you want to make. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to wait to go to film school or, you know, do any number of things that we like to think are prerequisites to creating something. Yeah. You can just do it. I am so happy I got to talk to you. <laughs> we yeah, should wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. We should wrap up this part of our conversation. People are listening. If you're patrons, we're going to do a little quick uh, tidbit that you can find on patreon.com. But otherwise, can you let us know where we can find this new season of Dinette? Yeah. Um, at, well, you can find it on YouTube and Vimeo and um, on Brick TV. Um, that's what is there? Brickartsmedia.org. If you go there, you'll find it. I'll put links too on the show notes for this episode. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll put your website too, which is also lovely. 
I, it's so it was so fun to look at that and be like, whoa, there's all this other stuff I should have looked at before we talked about it. But I'll look at it <laughs> after. <laughs> okay, great. Yes, there's so much stuff. I'm a crazy creator. Uh, love it. And so we come to the end of another episode of Mikey Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Shayna Feinberg, for being my guest today. Be sure to check out the show and all of her other work, as well as the work of Will Shish. You can check it all out in the show notes at MikeyPod.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, uh, check out Patreon for the bonus podcast in a couple of days. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Have a great holiday, too. <laughs>